Hi there, and welcome to Even If, a weekly podcast about standing firm when life is shaking. I'm your host, Kelly Strife. Strife rhymes with wife. And together, we're finding the courage to approach uncertain and unwanted seasons of life through a posture of faith that stands firm and declares, even if he doesn't, he is still good. I can very vividly remember the moment the doctor told us they were inducing my labor. I was sitting on the table in the ultrasound room and we'd just been told that our daughter's heart had stopped beating at 41 weeks pregnant. And we were desperately trying to wrap our minds around the fact that our baby had died, that we wouldn't be bringing her home from the hospital and that we were never gonna get to meet her here on earth. And I'm not exactly sure what I had expected the doctor to say when I asked her about our next steps, but I certainly wasn't expecting to hear that I would have to labor and deliver this baby who no longer had a beating heart. And to be clear, I had prepared for labor. I had waited months, years really for this moment, and I had done everything I could to be ready. I had read the books and taken the classes and downloaded tracks and bought the tools and visualized it and practiced breathing and hypnosis and pain management techniques. I'd made a birth plan and I typed it up and printed it out. I'd packed the hospital bags, plural, (laughs) one for labor, one for after, and one for Imogen and one for Peter. This was not an issue of not having planned. It's just that my plan was always to focus on the joy that was coming. My technique was always to visualize the moment she was in my arms, the moment I saw her face, the moment she was laid on my chest, her heart beating next to mine, the moment I introduced her to my family and called her by her name, Everyone told me it was worth it in the end. And so I was focused on the end to make it through the pain. So how could I make it through labor when an even greater pain awaited me on the other side? What was I supposed to focus on now? These were all the questions that were running through my mind as we figured out what to do. It felt cruel and callous to know that we had to labor and deliver this baby right after we found out she had died. We were laboring toward a loss where there was supposed to be life. Most of you probably haven't found yourself in exactly that situation, although I've learned that more people have experienced that than I would have expected, and maybe some of you have too, but I know I'm not alone in the feeling that your longing is met with loss that your labor isn't producing life, at least not the life you expected. It feels pointless and fruitless and in vain. It feels like you get all of the pain without the promise, all of the suffering without the reward. But here's what was critical as we checked into the hospital and prepared to deliver. Regardless of how my labor was going to end, I was an active participant in the process. I had an active role to play. I couldn't check out. I had to be present every step of the way. And as devastating as our circumstance was, there was also something incredibly empowering about knowing that we were delivering Imogen right into heaven, directly into the hands of God. And that became my new visualization. 
Even while we were hoping and praying for a different outcome, I could visualize Imogen being delivered straight into heaven. Her heartbeat strong and fully alive. I could see her being born into the most immense love, knowing no pain or sadness or fear. And while that's never the ending I would have chosen, I found so much comfort in knowing that's what her life achieved. As someone who has waited on significant things in my life, as someone who's still waiting for God to fulfill longings and dreams and prayers, I've thought a lot about how our labor is partnering with God no matter how the delivery ends. In seasons of loss, many people like to quote Romans 8:28. We've heard that a lot lately. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But backing up a little, backing up to verse 22, this passage took on a whole new meaning after going through childbirth just to bury our child. I love the way the message puts it. It says, All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what's enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become. And all the pregnant women can relate to this. The longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I didn't love the way this passage read right after delivering Imogen. When I first read this, I actually had to wrestle and cry out to God because this scripture echoes the assumption that most pregnant women have. Our pregnancy, our waiting, our labor, our delivery will be met with joyful expectation. We can be joyful because we know the outcome. That's how many of us approach our waiting, expectant for what awaits us on the other side. And yet our outcome didn't turn out like we planned. Maybe yours hasn't produced what you wanted either. We don't feel like we're getting closer. And much like those final days of pregnancy that seem like they'll never end, we feel like our waiting is prolonged and protracted and we're deeply aware of our discomfort and pain. It seems like there are so many steps between where you are and the marriage you long for. The test is negative, the treatments are stacking up, the paychecks aren't enough, and no matter how many times you pray for breakthrough, it doesn't seem to come. We're all waiting and longing and hoping and believing, and if it's not this, it's something else. The waiting doesn't ever completely end. 
but I know that God's word isn't for everyone except me. It's not for everyone except you. His promises don't exclude me no matter what my circumstance says. So I kept returning to these verses and asking God what truth they hold for me, what hope they offer the barren, what comfort they give those of us laboring through loss and longing, waiting for something more. And what I found is that these words are written exactly for those of us who long and labor and groan. These verses weren't written for the ones who see every longing fulfilled here on earth. No, these verses are for the askers, the acres, and the expectant laborers. Because hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? No, hope is reserved for those of us whose circumstance says this is the end, whose timeline says it's too late, whose hearts cry it's too hard, but whose spirits groan in expectation that there's something more to come. A day when every wrong will be made right and everything that's lost will be restored. When everything promised will be given, every covenant fulfilled. When everything broken will be put back together, will be reunited with those we've mourned, and every disease will be fully healed, will be complete and whole. A day when the desires of our hearts will match the reality we see, and we won't long anymore. Because every longing we have on earth is ultimately rooted in our longing for heaven for Jesus, for eternity. And every longing we have will be met exclusively in him. That's why we hope. That's why we don't lose heart. That's why our labor isn't in vain. But here we wait. For that day we wait. And for the things we desire in our waiting, we wait, we wait, we wait. That's why these verses bring hope, because not only will our waiting be met one day, though we don't know exactly when, but they give us a promise for now, too. The promise that we have is that we're actually enlarged in the waiting. Our spirits are not diminished. We don't shrink under the weariness of the wait. Instead, we're made larger, stronger, fiercer. We're expanded while we wait. I waited for years to get married. I turned 37 years old the month we got married. And you better believe I tried to convince Peter to move our wedding up by three weeks to sneak it in while I was still 36, but he wasn't going for it. Our engagement was only four months long to begin with, and we couldn't quite pull it together in three. And in those 37 years, I got a lot of practice waiting. I got a lot of time to expand, whether I liked it or not. And there was an ebb and flow to how I embraced that season. There were times when the lies threatened to shrivel my spirit, my confidence, and my hope. God must have forgotten me by now. Something must be wrong with me. Everyone else has been chosen and moved on. If I could just fill in the blank, then this season would come to an end. Once this prayer is answered, yes, then my life will really begin. All of those lies threatened to make my perspective smaller, my focus narrower, to limit my expectations and my hope. And yet, 
when we wait with confidence that God is moving, that the spirit is stirring, that we're being aroused within, our capacity for expectation expands. Our ability to hope swells. Our anticipation of a sure and final outcome increases with each passing day, no matter how long the waiting remains. In your waiting, God is enlarging your expectation for everything that will be fulfilled in heaven. And he's also increasing your capacity for joy in everything he's giving you here on earth. I am longing for the day I'll be reunited with Imogen in heaven. I'm waiting for the day I get to be a mom here on earth. We're waiting for dreams to be fulfilled and next steps to be revealed and gifts to be used and opportunities to be given. I'm waiting for big life altering changes and small daily desires. And I'd bet you are too. I don't know when those things will be fulfilled. I don't know if or how they'll unfold here on earth. I can't guarantee you that your longing or your labor will produce the life you want here now. Ours didn't. But I can guarantee you that your waiting will not be fruitless or in vain. It is producing in you a certainty that cannot be shaken, that cannot be moved, that cannot be taken away despite the circumstance you face. And we have assurance of what's waiting for us on the other side of earth. Our faith is in the promise of what's waiting. Our hope is in the one waiting for us there. And regardless of the outcome, you are an active participant now. You get to partner with God to birth within you a deep trust, confidence, and expectation. And you're partnering with him to usher in a kingdom that outlasts every earthly desire. I'm still deeply disappointed that there are things I long for that won't ever be fulfilled here on earth. I won't ever stop wishing Imogen was here with us. And I'm still growing into the perspective that heaven outlasts everything I long for here. But longing for Imogen has cultivated in me a longing for him, for Jesus, for the one who can fulfill every longing I hold. And I can wait with expectation that he's moving, he's coming, and all will be made right no matter what my circumstance is today. And my circumstance becomes a reminder not of what I lack, but of what he offers, increasing my deep gratitude for everything he's done. If you find yourself waiting on the big things or the small things, the desires you boldly share with the world and the ones hidden in the deepest corners of your heart, you're being enlarged while you wait, even when you can't see what's enlarging you. And your longing is producing life in heaven, if not here on earth. It means so much to me that you would listen to the Even If podcast. And my hope is that this episode provides you enough strength to continue standing firm when life is shaking. If this has inspired you in any way, you can always leave a rating or review. It's one way you can let me know you're listening or feel free to share this with a friend, share it on social media. It's another way I get to know if my words are landing. I'll see you back here next week for a new episode of Even If.